All right, welcome back to the big program. Just after 10 o'clock in Edmonton, Oilers taking on the Boston Bruins tonight, and that means it's a big night for one Louis DeBrusque as the former Oiler NHLer joins us uh, on Sports 1440. Once again, good morning, Louis. You're with Kevin Carius and David Schlimko. How are you this morning, big fella? I'm doing well, guys. How are you guys doing? Hey, that was awesome. Seagsy to start things off. Love it. <laughs> well, Love it. That's, you know what? I got to... Yeah? So, playing in Phoenix, Mike Sullivan is now the coach of the Pittsburgh Bengals. We used to drive to the rink every day together. Mm-hmm. And every single day, this was the album that he had on in his car. Really? The, All the night moves? Bob Seeger, and there isn't a bad song on the whole mix. And did you know that Bob Seeger, I think that's Sam Gagne's favorite uh, artist, or one of them. No way. Yeah, ask Sam about it today. Well, who doesn't like Seagzy? Come on. No, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, are you feeling okay? You had a little upset stomach there yesterday, Lou? Oh, boy, I'll tell you, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, it wasn't good, I can tell you that. But uh, I, I, let's just put it this way. I got it out of me. So I think it's all good. I, <laughs> I think, think it's all good, yeah. I think Speck said, Louie, that maybe Lou, that uh, Big Lou is uh, eating some of his varmints that he's been trapping in the snares. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what? Uh, I don't know what it was. You know, you travel, you ca- catch a bug, you yeah. eat something that just doesn't sit right. I could just tell it wasn't sitting right today, yesterday, and it was just going on and on and on. And finally, uh, yeah, nature took its course. Mm-hmm. Let's just say that. This is always a big, big game when your son Jake comes home to play in his hometown. And I would imagine over the course of his career, Louis, you've done 12, 14, 15 games of Jake when he's played the Oilers. Yeah. I got it. I gotta ask, just do you ever do you ever um, find yourself slipping in and, and when you're calling the game, do you kind of start focusing on Jake and then go, oh, oh yeah. I missed this. Oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent, no question. Um, the guys in the bench caught me one day. He uh, was playing in Edmonton here. Mike Smith made a great save on him too, and uh, so he gets the puck in the neutral zone. He's kind of slipping through. He's got some speed. Gets it alone. Goes to Deke Mike Smith, and I'm like. I'm like trying to be nine feet tall on the bench so I can look over and see this live. <laughs> and uh, normally I would just look down at the screen, but I'm kind of wanting to see him live do this because I, you know, I don't get to, I don't get to watch him play live that often. That's the one thing All that right. both of our worlds do collide. We are both in the hockey world, and him and I have had conversations about it. It's just the way it is, right? But it is uh, it is always a treat when I do get to see him play live. And um, I would tell you I'm a little more nervous doing the games. Then when I'm just watching them, um, we're going to drive down. Cindy and I are going to drive down to Calgary and watch them play in Calgary as well tomorrow night. So that'll be more of a night off and just sit and, and watch mm-hmm. your kid play. But tonight, I try and keep it business. But at the same time, I've done it long enough now. I like to have a little bit of fun with it, too. And yeah. it was pretty cool to see him score a goal. Uh, either last year or the year before he came in here, he scored a goal. And that was the first time that I actually called the game where he scored, which was pretty wicked. Hmm. That's pretty cool. What was your reaction yeah. on TV when uh, Smitty robbed him? It was a big, oh. <laughs> well, it's funny, David, because I turned around and Brad Harrison on the bench, you know, was looking at me. He's giving me all, no, 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 no. The guys know, right? Like, I mean, listen, I'm just trying to call the game, make it a fun game. But they know that I obviously have a kid and everybody's playing and it's uh, – it's kind of uh, kind of a unique situation, but uh, yeah, he gave me the old evil eye. Hey, don't be doing that. Don't be cheering him on. But yeah. yeah, it's pretty good. It should be a good one tonight, to be honest with you. I think Boston's always a team, even with the players that they lost last from last year to this year in that historic year. They're still a team that plays the right way. So I think teams kind of use them as a gauge to see where they are. They get pumped up to play the Bruins because they know they're a grindy hard team that plays plays that way. So. I'm expecting that tonight, and 
yeah, hopefully it's a good one. But I'm excited about calling calling another one of my kids' game. I, I don't know exactly how many it is that you said uh, at the start uh, that I've done, but yeah. um, like I said, it's always a privilege to kind of be right up close and personal uh, calling your kid playing in the NHL. It's pretty pretty amazing. Yeah, I just, I'm assuming you know playing twice a year and you know being six seven years in the league, it's you know up to a dozen 14 kind of just kind of doing the math so uh louis debrusque with us on sports 1440 kevin carries david schlemko i'm assuming you watch more bruins games than the other ones that you're doing because you're so busy lou but when you watch a guy like david pasternak who we're going to see tonight does, does he not get as much credit as maybe he deserves even though he is one of the upper echelon players in the league yeah, I think he's kind of blown onto the scene now the last few years, especially with his 60 goals last year. I mean, he, uh, you know, he put himself right up there in the elite goal scorers in the game. Um, and, he, and he is, you know, he's just one of those guys that uh, has a tremendous release, but he scores in so many different ways. You know, everyone talks about his shot and there's no question he has an amazing one-timer, but he scores some dynamic goals from different places all over the ice. Um, can do it in many different ways. So he's fun to watch. There's a ton of skill, boy, I'll tell you. He, uh, you know, he can be quiet for a couple periods and then just take over in the third period. Once he gets rolling and, and playing, he'll get a chance every time he's on the ice. He knows how to get lost, like all goal scorers do uh, in the play. Like, you'll you'll watch him, and he'll just all of a sudden be open for that one-timer. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, like he just, uh, you know, Brett Hall, you know, you, you think of any of the great scorers, Leon Dreisaitl, he does the same thing. He disappears over to that right corner. Pasta will disappear over to the left corner. It's kind of the reverse, being a right and left-handed shot. And they know how to do it at the right time. They, they understand when nobody's looking at them, which is the amazing thing, to have that awareness on the ice. So we talk about passers, you know, the, the great dishers of the game having such a great vision on the ice. But the great goal scorers have to have that vision, too, to know when to kind of sneak into a quiet spot when nobody's looking. Obviously, uh, he has that. Yeah, he's. I mean, to me, he's just he's always dangerous out there, no matter where he is. And uh, you'd think he might have taken a step back, losing Bergeron, feeding him all those one timers from the <laughs> the high slot back door there. But uh, yeah. he really hasn't. So I mean, lead, that's kind of leading into my next question here. I mean, I'm thinking about Pasta. I'm thinking about Marshy, and they don't have that many guys other than those two that are really dangerous so what has Jim Montgomery been able to do with this team to find so much success after losing Bergeron and Krejci I think it's just depth I really do I think it's just the way they play the game number one which they have an identity they have a system they play to a T they're maybe the most disciplined team I've ever seen as far as being in that structure they never cheat the game right and I know and people say well you know, yeah, Pasternak will fly the zone the odd time. Marshy will fly the zone the odd time. The odd time they'll look for a stretch pass, but very rarely. You know, they're, they come up as a group. They come back as a group. They crowd the house. They crowd the net. Um, the little details of their game make them very hard to play against. They're very comfortable in the pressure. They're very comfortable with the puck in their own zone. Sometimes I think too comfortable, to be honest. I watch a lot of their games, but... Um, But they do it. You know, it's not like they never really panic, if that makes sense. It's just they understand that if they keep it to the outside, they protect the core, they chip it back to the corner, they work it up the wall. um, And every single player to a man plays that way or they don't play. Simple as that. And do you think that kind of almost comes a little bit from, like, the leadership of the players, too? Like, I'm thinking about you know, the way Boston's played over the past 10, 15 years, or you you look at a team like L.A., they've been through multiple coaches but still kind of play that same honest game? No, 
Um, there's no doubt. I think that, you know, when you look at the players that have been in that organization over the years, and especially just starting from when my son came on board, you had Zidane Chair in the mix. You had David Krejci in the mix. You had Patrice Berger on the mix. You had a lot of, you know, veteran core guys um, that played different roles, you know, like that just, uh, you know, came in and, and, you know, played a hard game. Uh, yeah. But no question, I would say Bergeron, Chara, Mark Sean now is the captain. I mean, it just gets trickled down, right? And every single player that comes in and experiences that with those players on board, um, you pick that up. It's not really a question of whether you can or can't play the system. If you don't play it, you're not going to play. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think about it a lot, too. Like, I look at Detroit over all those years when Kenny Holland was there and you know, the teams that they had, and they tried a lot of different players. They brought on a lot of different players to bring into the mix and see if they would fit. And there was a lot of players that came in and then just didn't fit, so they went away. Right. Um, the ones that did come in and blend stayed. And, you know, I got to credit, you know, Sweeney for, for the moves that he's made over the, the seven years Jake's been there. He's always been aggressive with the deadline. He always brings in players that kind of fit that Boston way. And even the players that he signed in the free agency, you know, you look at a Morgan Geeky that comes over and, you know, they play the Bruin way. They just, they're, they're picking players based off of, you know, kind of how they feel they can fit into their system and, and the, the intangibles they can bring to the table. And more often than not, they bring in guys that kind of blend in. And they have this year again. Guys are blending in, and, yeah, they get it done by committee. Oilers analyst Louis DeBrusque, our guest on Sports 1440. Uh, Louis, the Oilers' lines going into Arizona changed in the third period. Do you think that's how we see the game start tonight with uh, uh, Leon Dreisel, Connor McDavid on different lines is how the game ended in Arizona? Good question. Um, and I don't know. I was mm-hmm. kind of hoping to figure that out to this morning heading to the rink right now. But um, I think he's going to go back, personally. That's just what I think. I think he'll go back to splitting them up because of that depth thing we talked about with Boston. When he goes up against good teams, he wants to have, you know, that depth throughout the lineup that he can match up against different lines and he can put out different different situations and different combinations that he wants. But, again, he's showing now that if, if it's not working, he's not afraid to change it. I, I think he's been very patient in not changing a lot of things, Chris Knobloch, but when he does, it really does seem to spark the team so he's had an instant response almost every single time he's done it so he knows that he has that in his back pocket but I do truly believe guys that he wants to kind of keep them apart I think he wants to keep the depth in the team and that's what made them successful through the 16 game win streak they loaded it up the last couple and in portions during that 16 game streak but not very often only when you really need it when you really feel you need that punch or you need that extra goal you need that offensive um, kind of spark or push, then yeah, you can load up Dreisaitl and McDavid, but there's no question, I believe, Edmonton's a better team when they're on their own lines, because it makes them that much harder to match up against. Well, this is going to be uh, Chris Knobloch's 40th game behind the bench, 30-9 and nine going in. Hey, Lou, I know you got to run, get to practice. Thanks for hopping on here. Hope that Pepto-Bismol worked for you last night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks, KK. Yeah, you know what? It was uh, no Pepto-Bismol, just old nature taking care of itself. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Lou. Right. We'll see you down Thanks, there, buddy. Louis. Thanks, buddy. That's uh, Louis DeBrusque, former NHLer, former Oilers, and current analyst on Rogers Sportsnet for Oilers Hockey. Yeah, he's a beauty, isn't he? He is. You know, he gives... <laughs> just a great <laughs> guy. It just takes its course, you know. You know? <laughs> it's funny. He's uh, like one of the funniest guys again. I think we told that story when uh, Johnny Sexman did. It's probably in, oh, I don't know, 97 or something maybe even before that 96 or something like that 
they had Louis. Um, they had him lit in at uh, doing a story on ITV about Halloween movies because he was like you know kind of the not the Grim Reaper or that Stu Grimson and stuff, but he was doing his take on, his take on all these. Uh, yeah. You know, they had lightning behind him, and he was just you know obviously the tough, scary guy, and yeah. you know Jason and Friday the Thirteenth, the whole bit. So uh, when we come back. Jimmy Murphy, Boston Hockey Now. We will continue our uh, St. Albert Dodge Game of the Day. It's a big one. Oilers, Bruins tonight, 8 o'clock. 8.07 puck drop at Rogers Place. Uh, Carrier Schlemko, Sports 1440. Stay with us. Oh, yeah. It's going to be, as Jim Carr said, Schlemmer, it's going to be a carnival-like atmosphere at Rogers tonight. Uh, time now for our Game of the Day. Brought to you one. by St. Albert Dodge. Uh, they have 165 Ram 1500s all dressed up and waiting for you with an incredible 20% off MSRP. That's a savings of up to $14,000 as we welcome back Jimmy Murphy from Boston Hockey. Now back to Sports 1440. Morning, Jimmy. You're with uh, Kevin Carius and uh, former NHLer David Schlemko. Welcome back to Sports 1440. Hey, guys. How you doing? Well, we're doing great up here and uh, looking forward to this one, as I'm sure you guys are in Boston. And, um, boy, the Bruins right now come into this one seeing Florida playing really, really good hockey and Boston just trying to keep level with them in in the Atlantic division. What have you made how the Bruins have played lately? It seems they're giving up tons of shots on goal for one, Jimmy. But what's your take on how the Bruins have been playing of late? Uh, you know, I, I think that a lot of people were wondering when it would happen, and I think they have finally leveled off a bit after another surprising start. Uh, obviously, coming into the season without Krejci and Bergeron, people were expecting uh, them to regress a bit. They didn't do that. They once again uh, made all the prognosticators uh, eat some crow, but um, now I think things are just coming back down to reality a bit, and we're, we're kind of seeing what ails this team, what maybe needs to be fixed before the trade deadline, and maybe what can't be fixed. Um, and I think one of the things right now that the Bruins really have to look at, look at and I think it's being even more um, emphasized now with the uncertain status of Hampus Lindholm, uh, who got injured the other day, is their defense. Uh, their defense has struggled a lot more in, in the last two weeks over this homestand they had than it did in the first half of the season. Um, they've been linked to Noah Hannafin a lot throughout the season and trade rumors and trade talks. And I, I mean, I know for a fact they have looked into him. They've had numerous talks with Calgary. Um, Calgary's assistant GM, Dave Nonis, scouted them three games in a row during the homestand. So, you know, maybe there's something there that they can get done. But uh, either way, even if it's not somebody of Hannafin's caliber, they just need to add more depth, in my opinion, on the, on the defense. And then up front, um, I, I think, you know, a lot of people complaining about lack of scoring, but I just see it more as the, the forwards aren't getting back to help the defense enough. And they really need to get back to their two-way game and not leaving their defense and their goalies out to dry. So that's, that's kind of what I took from that uh, pretty dismal homestand that they just had. Thanks, Jimmy. Um, yeah, well, thanks for filling us in on kind of what we're looking at at the deadline here. We were talking about it actually on the show here right before you came on. Um, one of our concerns, actually, Kevin's, was um, what kind of assets do the Bruins have? Uh, how aggressive can they be here at the deadline this year? Well, uh, I mean, it's, it's well, they don't have a first-round pick this year, so that hurts, and I think that was um, 
you know, by all accounts, Elliot Friedman reported it, um, and you know, I've seen some other reports. That was maybe one of the reasons they dropped out of the the sweepstakes for Elias Lindholm um, before he was traded to Vancouver. Is just they they didn't have that pick that the that the Flames wanted, and they still don't have it. So you wonder how is that going to affect uh, Hannafin talks or any other talks they have with other GMs. So I think that's a big stumbling block. Um, they've got some good prospects, uh, but the problem is they, they, they don't want to really let them go because, you know, I know they right now where they sit in the standings and, you know, they did the right things. They could probably make a little run at it in the playoffs if everything fell into place. But at the same time, I think Sweeney and Neely came into this season not looking at it as a as a write-off, but maybe, you know, really thinking more towards the future. Hey, we went all in last year. It didn't work. It is what it is. But it's 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 come to the point where they need to really look at it and say, all right, we need to start keeping the future as a priority and not necessarily the present. Mm-hmm. You know, sure, we'd love to go to the Stanley Cup right now, but we have prospects. We can start to build around them, filter them into the, the lineup here. We want to mortgage that and start from scratch again. And then not only do they not have a first-round pick, guys, they don't have a second or a third this mm-hmm. year. And then next year, while they get a first-round pick, they don't have a second or a third again. So you're really running low on chances to improve through the draft. So I would think right now, I mean, your best bet is you need to really evaluate your roster, your current roster, and say, who can we afford to give up in a trade? It's got to be money in, money out, player for player, in my opinion, with the Boston Bruins. Jimmy Murphy from Boston Hockey Now, our guest, Kevin Carey Show, with co-host David Schlemko on a Wednesday morning, 1026 in Edmonton. Uh, Bruins called up Justin Brazeau, Jimmy, the other day, immediate dividends, yeah. uh, one goal. What was that feeling like to see a guy that's, you know, he's been around a long time. He's 26 years old, so, I mean, he, he persevered to get where he was and just to see him rewarded with that one goal. Uh, it was great. I mean, it's really a great story. You know, I, I really appreciated. um you know, Jim Montgomery uh, after, and I know people can kind of say, oh, he's, he's kind of milking it and being a little cheesy or whatever, but nah, that's not Jim. He was legit when he was saying after to, you know, a lot of kids out there, maybe they're trying to make it in hockey or any sport or anything you do in life, you know, don't give up and keep persevering and, and, and you know, overcome adversity. And that's what Justin's done. I mean, it's, he's a perfect example that, if you stick with it, you can get there. And to see him score on his second NHL shot ever um, was just something. And, you know, I thought, too, what I loved even more about him was he was more excited when they got their first goal because mm-hmm. I think it was Boquist who got the first goal. On, he's on his line there. And uh, he was more excited for his team to score than he was for himself to get his first NHL goal. And that just shows you – you know, the kind of person this kid is. He's a team player, and uh, even though this is a huge moment for him, he's embracing the team concept. So that's a great sign, I think, for them. And look, it's no secret um, that the Bruins have lacked some size, both up front and on defense. And he's got some size, 6'5", 245. <laughs> you know, he, he could park himself right out in front of the net like he did when he scored his goal. So... Uh, I think that can help the Bruins. They've been kind of looking for a little more size and grit on their fourth line. They've got plenty of speed, as Boquist showed on that goal the other day. Um, but now they can kind of get that combination of size and grit 
and speed and uh, maybe have a really effective fourth line. Yeah, that's an awesome story. I love that. Can never take it away from the kid. Um, just yeah. want to get back to Jim Montgomery a little bit here. Um, I mean, obviously had some some personal personal issues a couple of years ago there, but I know he was uh, like a player favorite when he was in Dallas and has come into Boston and done some amazing team or things with this group. Obviously surprised a lot of teams this year. Uh, can you just speak a little bit on what he's been able to do there and um, kind of how he operates on a day to day basis? Yeah, it's interesting. Look, I, I, I think while the fans and maybe the players aren't embracing the adversity the, the, the Bruins are facing right now and have at certain points this season, you know, look, last year, um, I, I think Montgomery's embracing that, I meant to say, but I think last year, you know, Montgomery even said it. He's like, I didn't really have to do much. I mean, look mm-hmm. at the team we had. Look at the way they were rolling last year. I just throw them out there and kind of, I'm there, I'm here, guys, if you need me, but... Yeah. Uh, you pretty much do it. And I always like to say that Patrice Bergeron was pretty much the Reg Dunlop of the Boston Bruins <laughs> as the player coach. Um, and he, you know, he did, he did a great job, obviously, with his leadership. And he could kind of help manage the bench as well. But now there's more of a burden on, on Montgomery as, as the head coach this year. And uh, I think he's learning as he goes on how to adjust with this team and what they need. Um, but I think the, the one thing that I like about him is he – he found a good balance where he's not afraid to give it to them, to tell, tell it like it is, and, and to come out to us, the media, after a game if, if it's a poor performance and, and tell it like it is. Whereas last year, he was just all rah-rah. And there was a lot to be rah-rah about, right? There's a yeah. lot of positive things going on. But even if they, you know, laid the, the rare stinker here and there, uh, he wouldn't really – say anything you know it's like oh well oh shucks that type mm-hmm. of attitude. and now he'll come out there and and he'll rip his team if need be but he's also maintaining a positive attitude in the same press conference that he rips his team he can also say but i know that this area and this area are capable of being better and he he maintains some positivity so he's found a good balance i think the players appreciate that um, and I also think, you know, that he doesn't get enough credit. He gets knocked, actually, for it, and I, I have no issues with it, for adjusting in-game and, and changing the lines up or changing the D-pairings up and, and really going at matchups and not necessarily just riding a line. It doesn't matter who you are, whether you're David Pasnack or you're Justin Brazil, uh, Brazil you're going you're gonna to get rewarded in-game if you earn it. And if one guy on the first line – is really lagging or, or, or not doing his job, then he might drop down to the third and a guy on the fourth line could elevate to the first. And I, I respect that. A lot of people say, well, it's tough for players to get into a rhythm. I get that. But there's also times that you got to read the temperature of a game and make the right change. And I see him do that a lot. Jimmy Murphy with us on Sports 1440. I don't know what it is, but it seems the Bruins always come out at this time of the year to, um, you know, Western yeah. Canada. I, I don't know if that's a, a done deal on the schedule every year, but and it seems that Don Sweeney, I'm assuming that he would be on this trip with the team because of yeah. the Hannafin uh, angle and everything like that. Uh, but what is it about this trip and maybe, you know, the swing through Western Canada, Jimmy, where where the GM kind of gets, you know, his maybe hands in the pie a little bit more than maybe other times here? Well, I think, I, I honestly think he would prefer to be a little earlier 
so he can get a better grasp um, and, and kind of have more of a set, firm plan. But obviously things can change in any moment. But uh, it's just it's a great time. It's close enough to the deadline where, you know, okay, maybe he's got X, Y, and Z that he's looking at, uh, that you know, in terms of holes he wants to fill in the lineup or targeted players on other teams. And now he gets that final feel for it. Mm-hmm. Like, he's like, all right, I know what I want to do, but now – I'm going to just give it one more look. And it's a great chance to do that. You're on the road with the team. Um, you're, you're interacting with the coaches and the staff and, and even the players at some points, I imagine. Um, and it's just it's a good way to get a feel before you hit that final stretch into the deadline. And he's done that, right? I mean, if you look at that trip, sometimes he doesn't wait until the trip's over. I mean, mm-hmm. he acquired Charlie Coyle, which I think – arguably might have been the best acquisition he'd made as general manager of the Boston Bruins when you think about it now. I mean, look at what Coyle's done this year and look at the way he's, he's gotten better each year and fit into the Bruins system. He did that on the February trip uh, back in 2019. I, I, I believe um, right before COVID hit, the Bruins were on this trip uh, and he made a deal with Anaheim. I think he got... Uh, uh, Andre K- Case and he made mm-hmm. a couple other deals, if I'm not mistaken, on that trip as well. So um, he's been notorious for taking this trip, getting out in the road. And I think another thing is too, if the masses don't like it, meaning the media and the fans back here, well, he doesn't have to face him for a couple of weeks. <laughs> get things together and, and prepare what he wants to say when he gets home. So he, he's definitely utilized this trip uh, to get a lot of work done. Um, just speaking on that, Jamie, um, what do you think is more urgent for Sweeney uh, looking at the deadline here, forward depth or some D depth? I think it's D guys. And whether it's, whether it's a, you know, a more high-octane defenseman like a Noah Hannafin or whether it's a, a stay-at-home guy who's going to clear all bodies in front, which I think is a huge problem right now. I think actually I failed to mention that to you guys a little before when I was evaluating the homestand. They're leaving their goalies. Uh, really like in, in the danger zones there. I mean, guys are just coming in and barreling people over. You saw it last week. Oh, box outs. Nina Thalmark gets barreled over. Um, I forget who the guy was. Forgive me for forgetting. I think it was um, – I'm not going to remember, guys. Mm-hmm. I'm getting old. But <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll t- he, like, he got barreled over. He gets up, and he takes a swing at the guy with a stick. And he ends up getting a penalty and then getting fined the maximum by the Department of Player Safety. Um, so, you know, the goalies have been left to fend for themselves. Uh, Swayman got into it a bit the other day. Uh, and, you know, they, they can't be doing that. And, A, you're risking injury. And, obviously, B, you're risking goals. And you're, you're letting guys get to those dirty areas. So they, they need somebody back there, whether it's a guy that's already on their team or somebody they bring in, to really start throwing bodies around there. And even if it it ends up costing you a, a power play for the other team here and there. You got to send a message to the opponent that they're not going to be able to go in there and, and take liberties with your goalie. So I'm just looking. I know people here are really emphasizing middle six scoring up front. I agree they could use that, but let's face it, guys. When it comes to the playoffs, it's defense and goaltending that wins. And one of the biggest things that has hurt the Bruins over the years. I mean, I'm going back to that. Stanley Cup final against the St. Louis Blues mm-hmm. was the fact that they don't have the muscle in front of the net to deal with the big forwards coming at you. 
And, you know, if you look at the teams that have won the Stanley Cup, starting with that St. Louis team, going right on up until now. I mean, look at the Vegas Golden Knights last year, guys. They're like the Redwood Forest with their defense. (laughs) They're all six-something, two-something. Yeah, they're mobile. That's what the Bruins need. Even if they can just get one of those guys for now, they need something like that on their blue line to help out their goalies. Hey, Jimmy, thanks for your time this morning. It's going to be a good one. Uh, You'll be up till, what, one in the morning watching this one, I guess, eh? I I have already, uh, I'm setting my meals now on uh, Western time and Mountain time. So, yeah, I'm I'm all set to go. Don't worry. All right. uh, Thanks for hopping on here. Enjoy the game tonight. All right, you two guys. Cheers. That's Jimmy Murphy, Boston Hockey, now on our Game of the Day, brought to you by St. Albert Dodge with an industry-leading 4.6 Google review rating. Head up the trail to St. Albert Dodge. See how easy it is to do business with the great people up there. Tony Brar, among others, reporting down at Oilers practice today. Oilers morning skate at the downtown community arena because the Oil Kings are getting set to play at 11 o'clock. That Ryan Nugent Hopkins is not on the ice for the Oilers at the morning skate. Warren Fogle starting out on a line right now with uh, Connor McDavid and Zach Hyman. If Interesting. Ryan Nugent Hopkins is not able to go tonight, that means that Warren Fogle will have a little bump up. Kane, dry, subtle, and McLeod stays together. That's how they finished in Arizona. Oh, Louie got him sick, I guess. Hey? Yes, Louie. <laughs> <laughs> Louie and RNH went out for lunch yesterday. Been breathing on him. Uh, with that change, RNH out, that means uh, Janmark moves up to uh, play left wing with Holloway and Perry. This is just the morning skate. We'll see how the day progresses. That means that Gagne, Ryan, and Brown would be the fourth line, and Stu Skinner is in the starters net, as expected. You would think that. Well, Skinner will play one of the two on the weekend, the back-to-back with Minnesota and Calgary. So, yeah, um, backup always gets the crap burger back-to-back game. <laughs> well, but think about it: on the weekend when you went, you know, when the Oilers are on this road trip, everyone expected that that Cal Pickard would play in Arizona. That's true, and he plays in Dallas. Gets a that's a massive win in Dallas. The Oilers very rarely have success in Dallas, just like St. Louis. That's probably a big confidence oh. boost for a guy like Pickard too to get the nod there. You know, and by no stretch was he like he wasn't lights out. He let a, uh, one softy in for sure. He's all right though. He's okay. Oh come on, Schlemmer. The one at I the said side. All, of- I said all right. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin's trying to go uh, Schlemmer and just dog in the poor guy. Be like, yeah, he was he was garbage. He was trash. Yeah. I I don't think that was the case. Uh, so we'll see how the boarding progresses with those combinations and how. Ryan Nugent Hopkins is feeling. We'll wrap up the uh, Kevin Carey show with uh, David Schlemko right after the break on Sports 1440. Stay with us. Duke's a cowboy on a steel train. <laughs> it's one of your all-time favorite songs, Duke, I would imagine. Uh, oh, this is, this is a karaoke classic. It is. Yeah. Yeah? Not for me, per se, but you hear it all the time. I don't, it's a good song. Well, it's a very good song, yeah. I like there's a few riffs in it at the tail end there that when he really gets going. Yeah, I like it. Um, Kevin Carey's David Schlemko with you on Sports 1440. Keep in mind, of course, that David Schlemko is powered by Cougar Paint and Collision, our family helping your family for over 40 years. Check out CougarCollision.com. And on the subject of uh, being busy, Schlemmer, you've taken on a bit of a bigger role here. What's going on with your, your new little gig here? What's happening? 
Um, I took on uh, Director of Player Development at um, NAX, Northern Alberta Extreme. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was a skill coach this year. Um, got oh. out of coaching just to be home, you know, with the family a little bit more on weekends. But yep. uh, this will allow me to, to be home and not travel. And, cool. Uh, yeah, do All s- ages? Yeah, I'll be doing skills with uh, all the way from our NA one or NAX one kind of Pee Wee group all the way through uh, the Junior A team. So, uh, yeah, I'll be busy, but it should be fun. So, more work, less travel. Yeah, or? well, I'll, I'll be in charge of running like all like the skill skates and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and uh, video for all the teams, and yeah. Well, and plus you can get all the kids out to help with the the uh, sump pump situation. Just you know, little. Yeah, I'm sure they know just as much, <laughs> if not more, about that stuff than I do. So. Oh man! So uh, that would be a big blow if the others don't have RNH tonight. That would be. Um, I, you know what though? I'd like to see Fogel get bumped up. I yep. was gonna. I was gonna talk about that today. Um, you know, you, you see them. Nogblock, he's bumped up Kane. He's bumped up Perry a little bit to get those guys going. I think. Uh, I think it'd be good to get Fogel going again, too. He's been a little bit quiet lately after he had that great start. Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, a little less ice time, a little less confidence to kind of make some of the plays he was making with the puck before. Yeah. But uh, I'd like to see him get going, so I think that'd be good for him. Scored the empty netter in Arizona, so get, maybe gives you a little confidence just kind of moving forward. Yeah. What about Evander Kane? You mentioned him, and he has been... Well, when you think of goal scorers, I mean, Connor McDavid has 21 Vander Kane has 21. Yeah. So, I mean, this is a guy that's been, he had a little bit of a lull there. You know, when he was not, he was kind of, you know, you had the, the line set up the way they were, and he was kind of maybe taking a little bit of a, a bullet yeah. with who he was playing when with. When Fogel was up on yeah. that second line there. Just a, a little bit, but I think he handled it quite well. Yeah. And now he's seeing his uh, opportunities evolve a lot more. And, I mean, when he's with Perry, they, they have – that's a couple of big bodies. Holy smokes. That's a tough line to handle for so. a D. I mean, Kane is – it's an interesting case for me because he's not, like, a consistently dangerous player. Like, you talk about, like, a Pasternak. Mm-hmm. He's always dangerous. I, I think Kane gets a little bit sleepy out there sometimes. I think he's at his best when he is, like, emotionally and physically engaged. Mm-hmm. Like, that's when he started playing well earlier in the year. When he got pissed off, he wasn't playing as much. So he go, starts running guys over, creates some more space for himself, and he starts scoring goals. I love when he has the puck and there's really not a play to be made and he'll dump it in. Just and, run the guy yes, over. <laughs> but, but he makes that like just a small delay, just enough where you know that you're not on the defenseman's ass, so you're you're still kind of looking at maybe possibly making a stick check, you know, yeah. and, and maybe making a turnover. And he's not too far behind that, you know, it's too late. Yeah, so he's, he's timed it just perfectly where he's going to... And the D's right in that vulnerable area. Yeah. <laughs> I love it when the D's like that, Schlemmer. Uh, text coming in, one uh, 401 A lot of other, you know, we were talking about players playing other sports in and Duke had it for the uh, in or out. I always think, whenever I think of that, I think of um, a product of your environment. And I always think of of Caleb uh, Jones, and I think of Seth Jones, yeah. and I think of their dad. Their dad was Popeye Jones, or is Popeye Jones, great NBA player, played all over the states, 
Yeah. Gets traded to the Toronto Raptors. If he stays in Dallas or he stays somewhere, I don't know, wherever, figure it out, Miami, pick your pick your southern state. Those kids aren't playing hockey. There's, those <laughs> kids are not even thinking about playing hockey. That's a good point. They move to Toronto and they're in grade one, two, three, four, whatever, and they say, what are you guys doing? What, what, what's the kids, what are the kids doing? They're playing hockey. I want to play hockey, Dad. I want to play hockey, Mom. And we end cool. up two kids in the NHL. Yeah, that's with pretty cool. An NBA, uh, you know, again, a f- like yeah. Popeye Jones would have no sniff of what was going on in the, with the NHL. I'm pretty, was, uh, pretty sure Ryan Reeves, this old man, played in the CFL yes, as well. Yes, yeah, Willard. Yeah, Willard Reeves was a great running back for the uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers. There you go. And there's another situation. Ryan comes in and he grows up, and that's how he ends up to be, you know, uh, in the NHL. All right. It's a, it's a, you're a product of your environment. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how it goes. One eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. All right, we I got to get this one because I've been mentioning it a few times. Zad says, "Good morning, gents. I played golf in Cabo with Nick Harper. We got buckled. Wow. <laughs> uh, he said uh, he said hockey players are the toughest and craziest athletes to play. And what he called blades. Uh, does Schlemmer recall what non hockey athletes said when they tried hockey? And that was so. You said who came out." To uh, Larry Fitzgerald. Larry Fitzgerald. Anyone else for the Cardinals or uh, I guess Suns, I, I guess? I can't remember, honestly, any of the names. Yeah. Not sure. <laughs> but Larry, again, you're talking yeah. one of the top, whatever, 10, 15 wide receivers in NFL history. Gifted. Can't be more of a gifted athlete going up on contested jump balls yeah. and dominating DBs, running over linebackers. And it's the skates, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the skates. Yes. No one could skate. Like I wonder if What's they'd pl- be decent at like ball hockey or something. You know, if they the hands, if the hands would be okay, but they can't even move on the ice. So, mm-hmm. playbook Vic just texted in. Please expand on that playbook Vic. I have no sniff what you're talking about. Sean says, uh, boys, I love this guy. He's talking about Marcel Rock. Shot Rock. Uh, we bought the Pfeiffer house in Sherwood Park. Everybody tells us they used to have crazy parties. Oh, yeah. There was a gold medal in our house or two. Yeah. Well, again, those guys, they had fun. The Ferb Four. It was so much fun covering those guys in, you know, from 2000, even 99 to 2000 on for their run where they had six, seven years where they were um, – just beating everybody in Alberta and then, but different times, you know, and for them again, as Marcel was saying, the cohesiveness that they had All right. earlier, they were, they were ahead of their time when, when they were again, full-time curlers, trailblazers, you know, and what's it like, uh, like what's the camaraderie like amongst like different teams? Like, is there rivalries or do they like oh, oh, yeah. go have beers together? They have, they do. I can tell you for, a fact that back in the day and Kevin Martin left the, he, he was trying, he was a trailblazer on to get the world curling tour going okay. and what it, what it is now with the, the slams and things like that. But there was a big, big rivalry between Kevin Martin, and Randy Furby oh, yeah. for years. Oh the Alberta rivalry. Yeah. And, but the other thing too is that it was a rivalry there, but it, they both respected each other. Okay. And and Randy Furby's gone on to say many times that Kevin Martin was one of the best curlers of all time, if not maybe the best. But there is a, there was a rivalry. And you can go back, oh man, I got to think, 20-some years there was a, a an incident uh, where the Furb Four were, in, I think it was Saskatoon, some guy started heckling him. Oh, and yeah. Marcel Rock was ready to, like, and Marcel's a big guy. He would just pound the snot out of whoever 
You know, but I mean. He looks like he's got some intensity. Oh, <laughs> Marcel, you know, huff and puff. In between the two of them, those guys, Scott Pfeiffer, Marcel Rock, I mean, they, they were the original front end where guys, it was known where they were dragging rocks. It, it was the first rocks. noticeable time yeah. in curling that it was like these guys are making a real difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, and, yeah. and like like ch- they, they changed the game of curling for sure. You know, and then you saw the likes ben of Hebert, Hebert yeah. and uh, Mark Kennedy yeah, ben Hebert, with Mark Kennedy. Kevin Martin kind of follow in that same tread. Uh, they like took it to another level and like sweeping now when you're watching the Scotties like with the directional sweeping and only one, uh, g- mm-hmm. one gal going at a time or man if it's uh, during the men's play yeah. compared to even how Rock and Pfeiffer were, it's a world of different apart there, and that's only 20 years. Yeah. And the broom technology is through the roof now, Schlemmer. These small town beauties just yeah. know wow. they're curling. Like <laughs> back in the day when old, you know, Harvey Mazinki and Rick Folk were humming along in Saskatchewan, Schlemmer, oh, I mean, they had the corn brooms. Oh, yeah. You know. That's sick. Well, it, was a bi- it was a big thing when they went from the corn brooms to the rubber, the, uh, the, uh, the foamies. Yeah. No, no, the big foamies. Oh, yeah, like the, the, big, the big heads. The big, yeah. the big, so that, there was like that, a, That'd be a huge difference. Well, the sound was even. like and that, People missed the sound on the ice when you were sweeping with one of those brooms. Slap, 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 slapping that corn broom. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was lots of fun. Yeah, I, got one, I got one more spiel left in me this oh, spring. Oh, Yeah, the, uh, the Delburn All-Nighter. Coming up in the and mid March. Okay, what's the date on that? Is it Friday? Hopefully. Maybe I'll maybe I'll take that Monday off. No, <laughs> it'll be it'll be like Friday night and Saturday night. So two nighter third, third. Yeah, like you. Yeah, uh, in March in third weekend of March. I've got a busy end of March coming up. Is it natural ice in there? No, huh. no. Are, are these like big money events in these? No, no. big boozing events. There, okay. They, they, there oh, are still I mean, some big. Yeah, I assumed I, that. Yeah. I don't know how many big money events, like in terms of regular spiels, like amateur mm-hmm. ones there are anymore. Like even like, I think the Red Deer Farmers is probably still one of the most marquee events in the province because um, you get people from both the north and the south uh-huh. congregating down to it. But Do, do they have the drink holders at Mid-Ice in, in Delburn? No. Still? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> those are key. you got to have those. Just because uh, just we don't, uh, like it is a small ring, so there's not like the walkways. There's just like the dividers. It's just three three sheets, but there is the benches uh, out at Mid-Ice. So after, uh, like when I was curling back in January with my sisters and my mom in the Delburn Farmers, like I was sweeping every rock until I couldn't breathe. So you get back mm-hmm. and just camp out there for the 30 seconds while you your, uh, your opponents throwing theirs down there. Catch your breath and then go back to work again. Husks just texted in. Larry Fitzgerald has more tackles than drop balls. Oh, that's pretty insane crazy. stat. Easily top five receiver. Oh, that's an insane stat. I mean, one of the best. And you know what? He was so close to a Super Bowl there. What was that Pittsburgh Duke? Yeah, correct. Yeah, I mean, he had the. You got the about two three minutes left. He had the touchdown, and then that was, because was that was Hines? Warner Warner with yeah. the Cardinals. And was it, it? Yeah. was it Hines? No. Oh, Hines oh yeah, the unbelievable yeah. catch. Not Heinz. Heinz Ward, no. I'm well, no, Heinz. that was the Steelers' first Super Bowl, wasn't it? Uh, what, what, the what toe catch, tap. Yeah. Well, what catch was it that, like, Pittsburgh scored late in the game, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember whom. you got to go through a bunch of stuff. All this stuff is coming up late. <laughs> All right, Schlemmer, well, now you're a busy guy. You got the, yeah. the sewer to take care of. You got oh, it's dealt with. You got NAX. <laughs> Yeah, we're off to the office now. <laughs> <laughs> Santonio Holmes. That's the one, not Heinz Ward. Santonio Holmes is the one. That's the catch after. All uh, right. 
remember that now. Man, guys, we got the best listeners. Don't you know? They bang, they're there. They're on the ball. Well, yeah, Lord, yeah, Lord help us if we ever make a mistake. They're <laughs> they're sure to make uh, keeping you accountable. It's, it's, that's Bobby. exactly it, Slimmer. They're just making sure yeah. we know. Bob never said. I was going to say I didn't notice Bob, but Bob never said NFL was in his no. wheelhouse. You missed CFL. Bob mm. came in yesterday and brought some cookies to us. Did he? Yeah. Nice. And started talking about how that he ran a four 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 forty. A four four forty. Really? At his size. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's a monster. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks to all our guests today. Uh Ryan Hankel from the Hockey News uh, kicked things off. Mark Spector, Cassie Campbell, Pascal, Marcel Rock, Louis DeBrusque, and Jimmy Murphy from Boston Hockey Now. And of course, for Cougar Paint and Collision every Wednesday, our co-host David. Schlemko. Tomorrow we will uh, have an extensive uh, post-game report on tonight's Boston Edmonton game at Rogers. Uh, 8-10 puck drop, so it'll be a late one for a lot of people, but uh, well worth staying up for. No question about it. That'll be with our co-host on Thursdays, Ladislav Schmied from 8 to 10. Coming up, top of the hour, it is Fantasy Frenzy with... The former Ross Shep T-Bird. Connor Alley and the Duke of Delburn, Brandon Douglas at 12 o'clock. Low down with Low Tide and Alan Mitchell till 2. That's when Jason Greger drives us home with the Jason Greger Show from 2 to 6 right here on Sports 1440. Thanks so much to all our listeners. Big part of the show. Big part of all the texts that we get in and uh, keeps the show running. I really appreciate all your uh, uh, your texts and your comments. Uh, well thought out and well, uh, well received. Thank you very much. We'll see you back here tomorrow morning. Up next is a Sports 1440 update with the Duke. Have a great day, everyone. See you tomorrow.